We're in this series called Basic and uh, Back to the Basics, Foundations for Life. Whether you've been watching online or, or joining us in person, each week we've covered a different uh, fundamental core, kind of a basic that we feel like is really important. You know, it's one thing to have all these big ideas and all these big dreams and all this big stuff out there, but if we don't get the basics down, we'll never get there. Paul said many times in his writings, he would write to the church or he would write to other people and he would say, hey, I know that you already know this. I know that you've already heard this and and you've probably gone through this before. He said, I know that you know this, but it's good that I remind you. I need to retell you this. We need to relook at the basics. And so that's what we're doing as a church. We've been looking at a whole bunch of different things. You can find all those available online. You can also, uh, we're on Apple Podcast. If you search Vertical Church, you can download the podcast. So I encourage you to go back and do that. But today I want to talk about one of the most important basics. Like if we don't get this one right, uh, the rest are going to have a hard time staying together. And that is this, we need to get back to the basics of being in God's word, having a foundation of scripture. I believe in a world where they say truth is changing and it's evolving and you can be what you want and you live your own truth and you do your own thing. I believe there's such a thing as an absolute truth. Can I get an amen? And I find that that absolute truth is found in one place and that's God's word. The Bible. You remember the old song, the B-I-B-L-E? Yes, that's the book for me. It's all I need. It's to stand alone on this word of God. That's all that we need in life. Can I get an amen? It's a huge part of our foundation, and foundation matters. We've got to get our foundations right, and God's scripture and his truth and his ways are what sets our foundation. I uh, brought this picture with me, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Many of you know about this. You've seen this before. Um, In case you're not very observant, um, this building right here is Leaning. That's where it gets its name, Leaning Tower of Pisa. And uh, back in the day, in uh, 1176, uh, it was a modern marvel. When they set out to construct this building, uh, it was like nothing ever else before. And uh, it took 200 years to complete this. And what happened during the process of building is they got about a third of the way there, and they were standing on top of it. And one of the architects, one of the builders, standing on top of it said, "Um, hey, I think this thing is kind of (laughs) sideways. And so makes the observation that something must be wrong with the foundation. Something must be wrong with the core that we set here because this is starting to lean. They did what many of us would have done. Instead of fixing it ourselves, we left it for somebody else to handle. So a hundred years later, uh, some other people got their hands on the project and said, hey, we need to, we need to start to resume this. We need to uh, finish this project. And so as they begin to build, they begin to notice that as they got up uh, to the top, when they got to the very top, you notice the top is different. They, they saw that there was a two degree Now, when it comes to angles and things, two degree is a lot here when you're talking about a building of this height. Two degrees, it was two degrees sideways, and it was continuing to sag more. Its final shape was actually 185 feet on one side and 182 on the other side. It looked beautiful from the ground up, but below the surface, there were significant things wrong causing it to lean. And I believe that's what's happening to many Christians' lives, many American Christians' lives, is we got a lot of things looking good on the outside. Oh, look at all that we've developed, but our structure, our foundation is wrong. Uh, It ended up with a five-degree lean by the 1990s, and they had to actually shut it down for some time because of fear that it was going to collapse and hurt people. I believe if we don't have a solid foundation in God's word, if we don't understand his truths, if we don't have a good foundation in his word, we could also end up experiencing hurt. Can I get an amen? We need God's truth. We need his fundamentals. I wrote it down like this. The foundation 
is the most important part of any structure. Young people, you got to hear it watching online or watching in the room today. There's a lot of things. You can be in style. You can be keeping up. You can know things. You can be trendy. You can be all those kind of things. But if you don't have a foundation in your life, you're setting yourself up for hurt and for heartache and for dysfunction in the days ahead. We need to seek and pursue solid foundation. The problem is foundation doesn't get very much celebration, doesn't it? Does it? You don't walk into a fancy hotel if you've ever stayed at a five-star hotel or gone into some really fancy building. You've never walked in and gone like, this is, this is a good foundation. This hotel, I'm telling, they, they got this foundation right. You know, they're building like 1.1, 1.5 billion dollar sports stadiums. And when they cover them, they, they show you how the lights work and the retracting roofs. Could you imagine if the ESPN uh, camera crew got in there and said, you guys got to see the new. And they start off with its foundation is really, really solid. Because foundation is not celebrated in our time. We like flash and flare and bells and whistles and all the things that you can look at. But it's all going to come to doom if we don't have solid foundation. There's another facility in Dubai. It's called the Burj Khalifa. I brought a picture of that as well. That's the Burj Khalifa there. Uh, No relation to Wiz. But anyway, (laughs) what's impressive about this facility is it's the tallest building in the world. It's the tallest freestanding structure in the world. It has the highest number of stories. It has the highest occupied floor that you could ever be in in a facility. It has the highest outdoor observation deck. This is the fun one. The elevator has the longest travel distance out of any elevator. So if you really enjoy a good elevator, that's where you got to go to Dubai. But he became, when they begin to put this together, it stands 2,700 feet tall. And when they begin to put this together and do this, he came under a lot of flack from the locals because he wanted to take such a footprint and so much territory as the architects build and begin to construct. They were upset with how much ground space he was taking. But the architect understood it was important to get the foundation right. So they actually dug the foundation 164 feet down. There's 192 foundation piles, five feet deep worth of foundation pile and 12 feet wide. The architect, when asked, why did you put so much into that? He said this, there's no point in building a great display if it has improper depth. It's the same thing in our life. Why come to church and look good and talk good and play the game and go through all the motions and do all this stuff to impress people on the outside if we aren't working on depth? Can I get amen? It's the word of God. It's scripture where we get our depth and where we set our foundation. I wrote it down like this. We all want to be uh, on display and be seen, but many of us actually fight depth. Building a life that looks great but has no foundation is a waste of your time. In social media, we see it in the day that we live in with social media, it's like more of us are pursuing followers than we are building our foundations in life. Did they click on that? How many people have seen my picture? Did they look at my story yet? Did they do all that kind of stuff? When God is calling us to be a people who build our foundations, your foundation determines the stability and sustainability of your life. Your foundation determines your stability and sustainability of your life. Because the reality is storms are going to come. The reality is hardships are going to hit our life. Doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter how healthy you are, doesn't matter what you have, things are gonna happen in your life that are gonna shake your foundation. You will be tested. 
People are going to hurt you and lie about you and talk about you. We know that kids at times are going to become challenging and you're going to be stressed about the seasons and the people they're hanging out with and the things that they're participating in. We also know that uh, our economy is not perfect. You never know what might happen in economy or in your job. You have all of these things that could potentially happen. But if you have the right foundation, you'll weather all storms. Can I get an amen today? I wrote it down like this. A faulty foundation won't be exposed immediately, but it's a guarantee that it will be exposed eventually. You can lie to me. You can come in here and you can trick me and you can trick us. Bless you, brother, and bless you, sister, and we're doing so great and the kids are in Christian school and we got everything put together and we got Christian bumper stickers and when you walk in our house, the wood sign says blessed. You know, like we got it all. And you can trick everybody else. But if your foundation isn't there, when the storm comes, you can't trick. Are you with me? Matthew chapter 7, we see this. Matthew 7 verse 24 begins to talk about the importance of a good foundation. It says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. You're headed for a great crash if you don't have a great foundation. The Barner Research Group right now says that uh, Americans have never been more biblically illiterate than we are now. We've never known less about scripture and God's ways and his truth and his promises and his principles than we do right now, which is really disheartening because you've never had better access to scripture and God's truth than you do right now. You can get it on social media. You can get it online. You can podcast it. You can all these different ways. And we're going to talk about a few here in a minute. But you have all of these opportunities to build your foundation, yet you neglect the opportunity. I used to say this to my youth group all the time. They would say, I said, hey, in this scripture, what is the rock that they're talking about? So build your life on the rock. What is the rock that they're talking about? And they say, oh, I know this one for sure. What's the rock? And the kid raised his hand. I said, what is it? They would say, Jesus. And I would say, nope. What? You're not a Jesus preaching church? We got to get out of here. Why did you dedicate those kids into that cult is what you're thinking right now. No, no. He's talking about God's word. He said, my words, anyone who hears my words and doesn't apply them, practice them. God is calling us to build our life on the rock, which is his word. Can I get an amen today? My concern, if I have one about contemporary or American church these days, is we are experience rich, but we're biblically poor. We come into services like this and there's lights and music and worship and, and we have all of these experiences that we can experience, but we don't ever take it back to practice like what that scripture was saying. We don't put it into play. We don't put it into our life. We don't let it build the foundation in our life. We have all of these experiences. We're experience rich, but we're biblically and foundationally weak. Uh, I was at a lunch today with some pastors from all over Tennessee, Georgia, and so we're all coming together. We haven't seen each other in a while, and so we're having this lunch and um, we're talking about all these different things in ministry. It's like, oh, have you guys tried this? It helped our church so much. And have you heard that podcast? Are you following that stream? Are you in that pastor's group? Uh, Have you read that book? And so I'm just kind of knowing that this sermon is on my heart and I've I've noticed how we're all experience rich, but we're not very biblically solid. I'm listening to all this and I'm thinking, man, of all these pastors sitting around the table trying to encourage each other, not one has said, hey, you know what really helped me? This passage right here. 
This passage right here is what actually got me through because we're so experienced rich and I'm nothing. And, and, and that was on me too. I shared podcasts and all those kind of things too. But it's amazing that how much we run to the experience and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. And they are scripture and they are truth. But how much more so should we be sitting down with God's word in his truth and letting it be a core part of our life? Amen. We must build our life on the Bible. It is a proven foundation. It's proven. There's nothing more proven than the validity of scripture all throughout history. I'll talk about it here in a minute. But you know what's funny about the Bible is it's proven. You can build your life on it. It's a great foundation. But I'm going to be 40 in March, and uh, I've lived a long time. And so I've seen fads come and go. I've seen trends come and go. As a matter of fact, when we first got married, uh, my wife cares about fitness. And uh, my only care about fitness is, can I fit this in my mouth? I'm going to eat it. You know, that's, that's the rule. There's it fit in the... She's all about fitness. So when we first got married, you know, we got married. She, she, she got me all, it's all legal now. We're married. And so the first thing she did was took away a bunch of the food I like. like <laughs> you're not eating that anymore. We're not buying that anymore. Can't have it. I remember in the beginning, my brother was all into food and fitness and all this stuff too. And so he cared about this. And so they teamed up on me. And so in the beginning, it was like, you, you can't have butter. Butter's bad. You can't eat real bacon. Just ba- You can't eat bacon. Bacon's bad. You can't drink milk. That's terrible for you. You can't have milk. And now all of a sudden, here we are 10, 15 years later, and the times have changed. The fads have changed. And so over there at our house, all we're eating is butter, bacon, and whole milk. <laughs> and we get it dropped off by some hippie I don't even know. I'm not even sure if it's milk at this point. You know, It's like delivered, and there's codes we got to use and all these things. And it changed. But how many you know the Word of God never changes? It doesn't change with the times. It's not trendy. It's not wooey. It's not always. It's something you can build your life on. Amen. It's a book that was written over 1,500 years, inspired by God to 40 different authors crossing three different continents, and it is without error. And trust me, there are many people who spend a lot of time trying to prove it's error. It's archaeologically, geographically, historically, scientifically, and prophetically accurate in every single way. And what's amazing about the book is not only is it just inspirationally because it has history and all this kind of stuff, it's also a book that's changed more lives than any other book in human history. There's literally people who could come up here on this stage right now and say, I used to live this way until I found God's truth, and now I live in freedom this way. It is a book, it is a word from God, it is God's truth to you, and you can build your life on it. Amen? I got five points for you, five quick ones here that I want to help you when it comes to building a foundation, setting a foundation. Here's how we do it in God's truth. Point number one is this. We must be a people who read the Bible regularly, regularly. Uh, I'm not someone who says it has to be every day at 6 a.m. Has to be every day at noon. Has to be every day. I'm saying you got to be in a habit of making sure on a daily basis you're absorbing God's word. I understand there's times you can't at six or noon or this regularly programmed schedule, but you can also get in the car and there's uh, apps that we're going to share with you in a minute that they'll literally read the scripture to you. You can be driving down the road and just let these apps read God's word over your life because it's important for us to read God's word regularly. Matthew 4, 4 says it this way from Jesus. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, which by the way, see, this is Jesus himself saying you should be eating bread. All you people who are trying to do the no carb thing, it's right here in the Bible. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You're called to be living on Scripture. Your daily life is not living the way that you've called it to, it is the way that it's called to, unless you're somebody who's living and eating and absorbing God's Word. Uh, I've heard the example like this. 
for those of us that aren't in God's word, for those of us who aren't meditating uh, on his word on a daily basis, if we could ever see our spiritual bodies, if we could ever right now say, yeah, I'm not in the word very much. I'm not living on the daily bread. I'm not that consistent. If we could ever see your spiritual body, we would look at you and rush you to the hospital because you're so malnourished. We've got to take care of the spiritual side of things by, by living on that bread that God called us to. Can I get an amen? One of the signs that you're healthy, if you've ever been sick or had a surgery or something catastrophic has happened to you and you found yourself in the hospital, one of the ways that, that, that doctors and uh, people know, professionals know that you're on the right track is if you do what? You eat. Say, oh, we had a real breakthrough today. This person was able to eat today and keep it down. They were able to eat. Why? Because eating, consuming is something that shows you're on your way to health. It's the same thing in our spiritual walk. If on a daily basis we're in God's word, it shows that you're on your way to health. I think it's important that we keep our appointments. Uh, You've heard me say this many times before. You know, we make appointments all over the place in the world. We make an appointment with a chiropractor, a dentist, all the different things, and we keep those appointments. How much more should we be keeping our appointments with God? It doesn't have to be six, noon, nine, all this different kind of stuff. We just got to say, hey, God, I'm going to meet with you every single day. I'm going to keep this appointment because you're important. Amen. Point number two is this. We need to read the Bible strategically. How do we build a solid foundation? We don't want to be the leaning tower of Pisa. How, how do we build a solid foundation? We be the people who read our Bibles strategically. Uh, I grew up in a non-denominational church leaning a little bit more on the side of Pentecostal. And you would get people who get all up in their emotions and they would say, oh, God, I need a word today, God. They would open up their Bible. Is it right here? And they would hope that wishing and hoping that right there would be. And all of a sudden they're in Songs of Solomon. You're not going to get a good word out of that. We got to read strategically. We we got to have a plan about the way that we read. Uh, my daughter is four years old. Her name is Callie, and she is such a daddy's girl. Really, she's like not even daddy's girl. She's like daddy's stalker. I mean, she is everywhere. You know, and um, you guys know that that, that scene. Uh, I forget the movie, but it's like. It's like one minute she's here and the next minute I go over here and she's over there too. I'm like, how did you get here? She's like, I'm better, better sneaky. You know, she's like, that's her. She's everywhere. She follows me everywhere. And, uh, and so she one day said to me um, and all of her million questions to me because she's four. Dad, what's your favorite color? Dad, what's this? She said, Dad, who's your favorite princess? Disney princess. She's four. And I was like, of course, answering the question. I was like, Cinderella. And she's like, okay. So now every time there's anything Cinderella, She's like, Dad, Cinderella. (laughs) Anything. It's your favorite. She gets her princess sticker books, and I'll come home from work, and she's got like handfuls of them all stuck in her. I got you Cinderella's. And I'm like, okay, thank you. I got to put them everywhere, you know. And so Cinderella. And so one time she got out the Cinderella book. She's like, Dad, Cinderella book. And she wanted to read it with me, but she, she only wanted to read the pages that had Cinderella on it. So she's like, where's the Cinderella page for dad? And I said, no, honey, that's not how you read the book. You're going to miss all the story. You're going to miss all the thing. And so many of us as Christians are doing that to God's word. Where's the blessing scripture? He really likes the blessing scriptures. Oh, where's the, I can overcome all things. I only want to read those parts. But we got to read the whole truth if we're going to have solid foundation. The book, uh, the, the Bible is one large story made up over 66 books. It's not 66 different stories. And so you get to just pick one here and there. We need to cover the entire thing so that we have the full knowledge that God is trying to speak to us. Amen. 
2 Timothy 2.15 says it this way. It says, be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Be diligent. One scripture says, uh, study yourself to be approved. This is somebody who, to rightly divide the word, to understand God's truth, it takes diligence. It takes, like I said, our, our point here is it takes strategy. It takes persistence. We got to be committed to this because our foundation matters. So I brought a couple of resources for you when it comes to doing this. You're saying, you're right, pastor. I got to build a foundation that's solid. I don't want to come to a crash like the scripture says. Well, here's some great ways that you can do this and get this added into your life. He reads truth and she reads truth. You can just look those up online. They're a really cool way for you to receive God's word uh, in a way of it looks like a magazine. It'll come in the mail to you. I can't remember if it's quarterly or monthly or whatever it is, but you get this little magazine and you read through God's word in this form and both men and women and they have apps for it as well. But maybe for you, you have a hard time just busting out the big old Bible. You're like, I just need something else. Well, this is a great way. You can bring it in the work truck. You can take it with you wherever you're going, and you just page through it that way. And so that's a great resource. Another one here is called Scriptura. Uh, It used to be known as Paul's Leather Company. I used to share that uh, in years past. It's a really cool custom Bible website. You can go on there and pick the cover. You can pick the the out... What is it called? I don't want to say the skin. That's the wrong word. The bindings, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, but you go on there, you can custom make it all and uh, different versions and translations, of course, get your name in it and all that stuff. What I think is really cool about that is many times when you make an investment, y- you have a tendency to stay a little more connected to something you invested in. And so get that scripture book and, and, and customize it. And then it's something you can hand down to your kids. How cool is it later if you said, yeah, I really invested in a really high quality Bible and, and I want to pass that on. That's a really cool resource right there. Another one right here is the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have the YouVersion Bible app, it's the number one app in all uh, app stores. Uh, my encouragement to you is to jump in the app store, download the YouVersion Bible, and uh, you'll see in there it's a free resource to you where you can download devotionals. You just go on and subscribe and it tells you your devotional each day. One thing that I really like about it, I do most of my Bible reading on a device. I can do highlights. I can save those. I can email those. I actually build sermons by categorizing all out of the digital Bible. It also reads to you. And so I encourage you to do that as well. And then you'll see there at the bottom, we as a church have a read through the Bible in a year. If you follow our template, you will have read through the entire Bible in one year. Now, I realize it's October, so you'd be quite a bit behind. But just jump in and start here and uh, get ready for next year to read the whole Bible in a year. But if you search in the YouVersion Bible, whole Bible in less than a year, uh, you'll find the plan that we're reading. And then there's another cool thing. The Bible Project alongside that also gives you videos. And so you've just read, but then you watch those videos and it tells you, here's what was happening at that time and gives you some more illustration to what you actually just watched. And so I encourage you get into the scripture. My only little caution to you is if you read digitally, hear me on this because I like to read digitally. You get on your app and you start reading in the thing. Here's the trouble. When you're reading digitally, your notifications still come through. And so you're trying to get into God's word and you're trying to press in and hear what he's saying. And all of a sudden you get an overscan, bloop. Oh, look, it's the unlimited shrimp at Red Lobster. We need to do that. And now you're distracted. So go in airplane mode. Turn off those distractions. Make sure you read through some of those things because it's important that we do it strategically. Point number three is we need to read the Bible inquisitively. Inquisitively. We need to ask the question, what does this have for me? What does this have for me right now? You know, if I were to actually come to you right now, let's just say I walked up and I was like, hey, um, I have this letter for you. 
Um, it's from God. Um, here, do, do you want to read it? You wouldn't be like, I got to read this to get it done. You'd be like, what does it say? And what is it going to mean for me? Like you would be like, this is going to have a lot for me. And it's too bad that we read the word of God that he gave for us. That it's too bad that we read the word of, I just got to get this over with instead of what does this have for me? Are you with me today? So we read it in the sense of what does it have for me? Not, I need to get this done quick. Second Timothy three 16 says this, all scripture is God breathed and is useful. Circle that in your Bible, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The scripture is useful for you, and it equips you. Everybody wants to be equipped. Everybody wants to be set up to succeed in life. That's what God's word does for us. He sets us up so that we can walk in good deeds and live the way he's called us to and advance his kingdom. And so this scripture, we read through it inquisitively because we say, God, what's in here that you have for me that's going to be useful and prepare me? You know, there's nothing worse than trying to do a task with the wrong tool. Um, I flipped houses with my dad, uh, and so we would renovate houses and do that, and there'd be different things we'd be doing. And, and there's nothing more frustrating than trying to open something when you don't have a knife, and you're trying to do the key, or you're trying to do the, You're like, man, I wish I was properly equipped. And that's why God gave us his word, is so that we can go through this life equipped. Maybe it's a tool. Like, for, you went years and years, and then you were finally able to buy a tool, and you're like, why didn't I buy this tool so long ago? Yeah, it saved me. Well, that's God's word. You're walking through life, not equipped. Get into the word and start letting it equip you thoroughly. Amen. Write this down. What really matters is not how much of God's word you go through, but how much of God's word goes through you. We need to get it. We need to let it get in. Don't read just to get through the checklist and get everything over with. No, we got to inquisitively ask God to speak to us and teach us and lead us. I wrote down some questions that you should ask yourself after you're done reading. You should ask yourself a question like this. Is there a command to obey? Did I read something today in his word that was a command that I should be obeying? Is there a promise that I just read that I'm to believe? Did I just read something that's a promise of God to believe? Is there an example to follow? Did I just see in somebody's life that there's an example I should follow? Was there a warning to hear or a sin to avoid? Did I learn something about God's nature? That's what I love about the Bible is it helps us know who God is. If you know whose God is and what his character is, and what his nature is, then when the enemy presents himself in life, we can go, oh, no, no, that's not God. That's not of God because I know God's nature. And then another one is we ask ourselves this, do I have something to be thankful for? You've read through the scripture, you've looked at all the texts and then you say, man, wow, I'm really blessed that I've been set free. I need to give thanks in this moment. Can I get an amen? Point number four is this. You need to read the Bible prayerfully prayerfully. As a pastor, when I put together sermons, uh, one of the things that I do before I even begin to look for text and subjects and build a sermon is I, I ask God, I say, hey, before I read, before I get to study, will you help me? I pray. Will you help me find the scriptures that I need? Hey, God, whatever you want to speak to your people, whatever you want to speak to me or to anything that I'm walking through in life, God, will you show me? And the reason I do that is because John 14 tells us this. John 14, 26 says this, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. If you pray before you leave, read God's word, I believe that the Holy Spirit can step in and teach you and remind you of all the things in God's word. I believe that he can literally speak and encourage, and many of you have experienced that, 
Now, I like to think I'm a pretty good teacher. Hopefully, I'm teaching okay. And, and there's a lot of people uh, online that you can listen to and podcast, and they're a bunch of good teachers, but none of them are as good of a teacher as the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? So if we sit down with Scripture and before we read, say, God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, teach me and instruct me. I believe we'll come off much better. I'll close with this. Last point is this, number five. We must be a people who apply the Bible daily. We got to apply the Bible daily. Back to our first verse, Matthew 7, 24. It says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Here's the reality. Not everybody hears God's word and puts them into play. Many people come to church and they hear the words from the sermon. They hear the words from the song. They hear the words from all these things. They hear all these words, but they're not wise because they don't put it into practice. We got to be a people who put it in practice. James 1.22 says it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. People coming to church, man, that was a really good song. I liked those lyrics. We don't imply any of the truths. And that sermon was good, and he had an okay joke this week. It wasn't so bad. It was all right, and, 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 but we don't apply any of the truths. We don't apply any of it. You're deceiving yourself. What a waste to go through the motions and have kids in Christian school and come to church and do all these things, but yet not apply it and build our foundation off it. Applying the Bible lays a foundation. Because when the storm comes, you're going to be like, I'm freaking out. I'm going to be taken out. And then you just go, well, hold on a second. I built this foundation right here, and I can stand on it. Our foundations look like this when I have a terrible week. Oh, my gosh, this week was crazy. You go, hold on a second. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, I'm called to rejoice always. I'm glad that it says rejoice, because that's what it means, to rejoy. You lost your joy. It says rejoy. You got to get that rejoy back. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I have this foundation that I can do that. Are you with me? Well, the kids, and we already talked about this one, but when the kids are acting crazy and they're all going astray and I hate who they're hanging out with and I can't believe the decisions that they're making, ah, well, hold up. I build this foundation. That says, I train these children in the way that they should go and God promises. I'm not going to crash. This ain't going to crash. Look at this foundation found in Proverbs. I can stand on this. Or when you feel like the biggest sinner, gosh, I'm such a mess up. I always mess everything up. I can't believe that I did this. I can't believe I'm in this. Wait a second. I got this foundation that I can stand on. In Romans 8, 1, that says, therefore, there is no condemnation in Christ. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not perfect, but I'm also, are you with me? I got this foundation. When life is completely falling apart, everything. You say, no, pastor, like it, it already crashed. It, it already crashed. My foundation was bad. Everything has already fallen apart. Well, Romans 8, 28, the foundation you can stand on is, and we know that in all things, God works together for good to those, for those who love him and who have been called accordingly. I got this foundation that even though stuff did crash and come apart, God can work it all together for my good. Last one right here is I know that you were hoping today, many of you were hoping you came today, hoping that I was going to read a verse from this chapter, this book of the Bible. And so I'm going to make you really happy. I know many of you are like, oh, please read something from Nahum. <laughs> so I did. Nahum 1.7. You can stand on this foundation. I'm in the solid foundation. The Lord is good. A refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust 
in him. He's good and he cares. Even in trouble, I have solid foundation. Can I get an amen? That's why we need his word. That's why we need his word. That's why we need a foundation because we forget all these things and we crash. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your truths and your ways. Lord, we don't want to be a people who just build up tall to be seen, but God, we want to have depth. God, help us to be a people who make it priority to be in your word, to strategically dive into your word, Lord, with interest so that we can see what you have for us. God, we want to be taught, instructed, and reminded by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.